That was one of the first things that had to be put on the altar was my interpretation of the obedience I'd already walked in. I had already walked in and seen favor in this space, and I interpreted that it was going to go this way. No, God's hand of favor, God's hand of blessing, God's hand of guidance was there, and I walked in it. But then my mental thoughts carried it over here, and I'd created an image, a view. Well, we can begin to serve graven images. It's not something carved out by hand. It's carved out by heart. Uh, uh, destiny, destiny, destiny all the time. God's got a destiny. God's got a plan, which is exciting. You know, you're in your early 20s. You hear that? Like, yeah. And then I started getting weighed down. I was like, oh, my goodness. What if I mess it up? What if I mess, you know? And then I started getting anxious about something I was excited about. And the Holy Spirit finally was like, your destiny is what I'm going to do in your life as you walk with me day by day. During worship, God just dropped it in my heart. Liquidate all your assets. Drive around the uh, the uh, the U.S. as I lead you, and I will give you the vision for the for the church I'm calling you to lead. Welcome back to the Kingdom Vision Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. If y'all have seen Keenan Clark basically on every podcast <laughs> for the last couple months. Well, we have his dad today, Mr. Brandon Clark, Pastor Brandon Clark. Thank you for coming on. Oh, it's an honor to be here. I'm excited. We talked about doing it for a while, and I just didn't present it. We talked about the idea, right? but I didn't come to you and ask you until I was for sure ready to do it. I came to you like last week. I was like, dude, this next week, let's knock it out. I love it. Um, I love it. I love what y'all are doing on the the podcast. It's just remarkable, and and, uh, being able to... um, you know, step into that digital space and just literally reach anybody that has access to the internet. It's remarkable. Which is, uh, yeah, it's crazy. We've seen some people like, I think Belgium is our second highest country, which it's like, it's like not even country location. For some wow. reason, Belgium, we get a lot of downloads, which is crazy. Shout out if you're listening in Belgium. <laughs> hey. Go into just like your story, if you if you don't mind, if, sure. if you care, care to share. Yeah. I was raised in uh, in a godly home, and so my my parents, you know, valued uh, being connected with church. And I, you know, I don't remember the first time I stepped in the doors of a church, and it was just something we always valued. And um, you know, growing up in that space, um, I never had any significant pushback against the gospel. Um, I went through my spaces where I rethought some of the. Certainly, the core theology of just how God is viewed and the scriptures are viewed, um, but to have a significant space where I just absolutely discarded the scriptures or that, um, I, the Holy Spirit just continually echoed um, in my heart, you know, the, the truth of who He is and what's been accomplished in Christ. Um, but you know, through high school and stuff, that was not something that I centered my life, centered my life around. And um, amazingly enough, the only thing I really prayed about um, in high school, especially my senior year, was where to go to college. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was it. I had no idea that that was going to be such a watershed moment. And, you know, thankfully, the you know, the Holy Spirit was really drawing me in because my intention was to go to te- tech. Um, that was my plan. I was Texas Tech. Texas Tech. And so I was going to be there. Um, that was my plan since I was about in the eighth grade. And I didn't even know Angelo State existed. And so this is like 
mid senior year in high school. So, you know, we come and tour it and I pray about it. And, you know, so all of a sudden all my plan and nothing but tech. And then all of a sudden now it's, no, it's Angelo State. So uh, I moved here and God just, my progress was incremental. And so, um, you know, I, oddly enough, I, I had a strange moment. I, I could probably uh, get within about three houses of the house in Odessa, but I was uh, uh, New Year's Eve of my senior year. Me and a buddy of mine, we were we were at a party there in Odessa, some house I didn't know. And um, anyways, it was it was just a mess. There'd been a big fight. Everything was busted. And I'm sitting there with a Dixie cup full of beer, and I shouldn't be having that. And uh, and just in that moment, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me so clear. I mean, not a revival, not nobody preaching. I'd not had a devotional in months. I mean, it was no like spiritual stirring. And anyways, and then the Holy Spirit just uh, told me, um, just so clear, just just like I just saw the foolishness of where I was and the choices I was making. And, um, you know, said, you, you know, Brendan, you don't need this. And I immediately responded just right there in that living room, just responded to the Holy Spirit and told my friend, I was like, I'm not drinking anymore. And he's like, great, you can drive. Like, <laughs> okay. Not knowing the gravity of what you no, would. No. And so, and then, and, and thankfully, um, I had some friends who, you know, respected if like if I, we had a core conviction, they'd respect it. And so, but that was it. That was that was my that was my that was my life shift mm-hmm. at that moment. And so, and then walked that out. Um, you know, my language didn't clear up. I didn't start going to church and reading my Bible. But I just responded to that, and then as moved forward and came here to Angelo State. Um, you know, I'd still went to you know and attended some of the frat parties to meet people and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. you know that conviction. I'm I'm not drinking. I'm not doing that. And um, and so just kind of walked that space out. And then yet again, it's about a year. You know, all of a sudden, Holy Spirit begins to move on me, just drawing me back to Him. And I remember driving in my vehicle, and I'm just bawling my eyes out, singing "Jesus Loves Me," and have to pull over to the side of the road, and I can't even. I'm just crying so hard, and I can't. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm going with you. And uh, But, Lord, I need friends. I can't. I know me. I can't do this by myself. Little did I know, no one can. Um, but I was at least self-aware in that moment. Lord, I need some people who are going to speak into my life and, and draw me up. And so with that, I, I, that was my, one of my first prayers is, Lord, bring, bring some people in my life. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I very quickly um, began to connect with some people there at, at ASU that I've that are friends that are still in my life to this day, and all of these thirty years later. And so, yeah. And then you know, soon, you know, th- then the trajectory got quicker, and and uh, you know, met my wife, fell in love. Uh, felt the call to ministry and God, you know, didn't tell me to quit Angelo state, um, told me to stay at ASU, which didn't fit with ministry. I mean, you're not getting a theological degree from Angelo state. Yeah. So, you know, from that, I, 
uh, just heard that my pastor was teaching people how to preach. And I was like, well, I need to know that. So um, he was teaching homiletics is what this class is called. And so I just said, hey, I feel like I'm called um, to called to preach. And he was like, I'm called to be a pastor. And man, very quickly, then he gave me the opportunity to come on staff and be the janitor slash pastor in training. I was the janitor for three and a half years and then took over youth and just ministry took off from there. Keenan, we were talking on the phone that day after you left the coffee yeah. shop. We're talking about the RV. Yeah. But then you so you become pastor, and I want to talk about Celebration Church here in a sure, minute. Sure. Sure. Um, but like, in there's a stretch in your life when you literally just went in an RV and you just took off down the road, and and God told you or to go down the road and, and to interview pastors or whatever. Just talk about what led you to do that, what it was, and you just talk about the whole thing because I'm sure there's some details that I'm going to... For sure, for sure. Um, well, that window of time, I ended up being serving at that church under two different phenomenal leaders um, f- um, for about 13 years. And so, and during that time frame, um, we began to just really build some really deep roots here. I mean, of course, you know, our you know five kids were born, you know, that, that, that stump is, uh, you know, Burned during that, yeah, during during that in that thirteen year period, you know, we loved, um, you know, the assignment we had and being at the church that we were at. We we loved it, deep relationships, and um, there was something I didn't get a word for till later, but there was just a stirring, and I was just, and um, that something God was doing something, and I later heard the phrase "holy discontent." And I was like, that was it. That was what was going on. I couldn't give it a word. I couldn't put a phrase on it. And then that was it. And so finally, um, my wife told me, she said, Brandon, you just you just need to pray through this. And you need to figure out what's going on. And so um, so we, you know, um, I took just shut myself off and fasted and spent some time in prayer. And she was um, had a she was had a job at the time. And she was fasting and praying as she could. And then we broke our fast that evening and um, um, with some communion and just felt like God told us our, our time at that assignment was done. That's it. was it. That was all he spoke in that moment. And we cried. I mean, we just we just cried. Um, we weren't looking to upend our lives. And so that was on a Friday. Within Sunday morning, church that I was uh, on the team with had three services at that time. And in the first service... During worship, God just dropped it in my heart. Liquidate all your assets. Drive around the uh, the uh, the U.S. as I lead you, and I will give you the vision for the for the church I'm calling you to lead. That was it, and it was just that fast. And so I caught my wife in the foyer, and I said, "I I either have a crazy idea or I've heard God." I said, "I said I'll tell you after church," and she's like. No, you're gonna tell me right now. <laughs> so you can't and wait no, on that. no, no. So I dropped it on her, and she just looked at me, didn't say a word. And so we go into the second service, and I, I'm no, I'm not a part of that service. I'm just praying over <laughs> what yeah. I am there, but I am not there, and I'm praying over that. And I catch her, and I said, um, "Well." Um, are you? Uh, I said, are you freaked out? And she said, uh, she said, yeah, I'm freaked out, but I think it's God. And I'm like, oh my goodness, well now, she is not adventurous yeah. at all. And so, um, 
So then it's here's this moment that then we're supposed to just lock up into everything. So we just sat on it. I was like, we're just going to pray through this. We're just, we're not, we're just going to make sure we've heard God. And then through different space and, and you know, and that's, that's one of those questions. How do you hear God? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we have the scriptures, you know, I mean, you, there are places where, you know, God tells Abraham to get up and leave to a place I'll show you. Well, that was a little bit of what we were, was happening. Um, and so there were some places, but over and over again, especially as a married couple, that just that place of confirmation and the Holy Spirit just really speaking, and then um, trusted people in your life, just sometimes even just speaking. They're, they don't know, you know, they're just encouraging you, they're speaking, and the Holy Spirit's like, "See, told you, told you." Yeah. And just that place of confirmation, and and of course the word says, you know, let every word be established out of the mouth of of, of two or three witnesses. A lot of people say God told me to. Sell all, liquidate all my assets. <laughs> yeah, get an RV and go journey around the country, seeking wisdom to start the church that God is calling me to start. A lot of people are like, oh, did, so did God audibly with His voice tell you? Which I have a guy I know who literally had when he was eight years old the voice of God. It was like a thundering voice in wow. his room. There is that, so I believe that sure. is a, that is real. Sure, my experience isn't that. Um, and I don't know about yours, but. Before I go into mine, what would you say when you talk about hearing the voice of God, confirmation being one, and what other aspects do you like? Oh, this is God's God's voice in my life. Well, for one thing, you know, being solid in the Word, that the Holy Spirit is never going to say something that contradicts what He's already written down, and so that is one, you know, one clear aspect. You know, these people who have, you know, feel like they've heard God to to do some sort of atrocious act in the name of God of some sort of cleansing or retribution or pouring something out, you know, vengeance against evil. Um, You know, we don't, especially in the ministry of Jesus, and you can't, if it's not reflected in Jesus, it's not been truly presented. And so Jesus is the accurate representation of the Father. And so we look at the life and the ministry and the teachings of Jesus and then obviously the early church and function of the early church. So knowing um, knowing the scriptures uh, and knowing that he's not going to violate and be contrary to that mm-hmm. um, is abs- so vital because that's our first filter. Um, God's word is always our first filter. And then after that, then it'll be um, – you know I love there in Acts where Paul talks and says – um, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Yeah. Well, there are places where that that's where you move forward with, you mm-hmm. know? It seemed good to, to, to the Holy to Spirit. Decisions. Like, there wasn't any major red flags. And, you know, and there are times he that Paul clearly knew what the Holy Spirit was saying. And there are times that seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think most of our walk with God are is is this balance between those two spaces. Yeah. There'll be places we know we're called, and then there'll be places where, okay, it seems good to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, but then when, it, when you know, the liquidating everything and all that, um, you know, it was, it was one of those things that there were some, what we felt were confirmations, even in that space. 
Now, this was all happening in 2007. You probably don't remember the real estate market of 2007. Mm-hmm. You I were, know the recession was in 2008. So. It was, but the real estate bubble was at its height in you. 2007, which the bursting of it created the the all of the foreclosures and the recession to follow the next year. And so, um, so liquidating during that time frame was ended up being a pretty good idea. <laughs> and so uh, we, you know, maxed out on things. And our realtor was he was blown away because we would the one well, of the first eight properties we put up for sale. I would say, hey, I want this much. My realtor would say, eh, let's do this much. And it was higher than you. It was act. higher than my than my price, and I was felt like I was being pretty aggressive. Yeah, and that um, he would he would mark them up, and the first eight properties um, went under contract and closed to that on that contract in under twenty four hours of listing. Like we would list it, and he's like, "I've never seen anything like this in my like." Wow. It was just. It, it was just this favor. It was just remarkable, and other onlookers are just going. That I'm gonna list my house for that, sale. That, that is <laughs> that is wild. I mean, it was just like, like I'm blown away. And so, yeah. Um, so the process didn't take us a long time, and we didn't have to like discount everything and take a big knock on the head um, to do that. And so, and then of course a big chunk of what allowed us to then go on that trip was um, the sale of the of the self storage properties. Storage and so, which. I had no idea that that was going to be for that. I thought it was going to be for my retirement. Mm. And then and it was made possible in seeking good wisdom and counsel and the partnership that I had with your uncle and and I didn't realize in those moments God was setting these things up. I was just walking with what I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading us in moment by moment thinking extrapolating on my own well, this is for my retirement. This is for this. This is for that. Eh, God had a totally different plan. And then when he begins to drop that, liquidate everything, that was one of the first things that had to be put on the altar was my interpretation of the obedience I'd already walked in. I had already walked in and seen favor in this space, and I interpreted that it was going to go this way. No, God's hand of favor, God's hand of blessing, God's hand of guidance was there, and I walked in it. But then my mental thoughts carried it over here, and I'd created an image, a view. Well, we can begin to serve graven images. It's not something carved out by hand. It's carved out by heart, in our heart. And that image, that graven image, had to be put aside. It was, was I going to serve that graven image, or was I going to serve the God who made all this possible to begin with? And that was the first place of sacrifice was, okay, God, I, I, I'm starting from scratch. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? I, every, everything is literally being put on the line here. And so, yeah. And, then, that, that, and that was when we look and go and, and, you know, buy this RV and, and then watch God open doors and it was remarkable it's interesting conversation because you look at the initial what is God saying oftentimes false ideas false ideologies often compromise at their biggest red flag which is like sexual immorality sure 
glaring differences in scripture. Okay, God is obviously not saying that. We compare it black and white. Sure. For the more mature Christians, or not even the more mature, that wouldn't even be the correct way to define it. Just the people who made no more things and been walking with God longer. Now God is saying, okay, we have the big, obvious red flags or what God is not saying out of the way. Now it's two two right options that could seemingly both be right, but which one are we going to pick? Sure. Those are where the interesting, that's where the interesting making decisions come to mind. But to backtrack a little bit, I was talking to a friend and he just accepted Jesus actually as his Lord and Savior like two weeks ago, wow. a week and a half ago. Wow. And he asked me that Praise question, um, how do you know when God's talking to you? And for me, for some reason, I've never said this before, but my mind initially went to all of the miracles, all of the events of my life that I had assigned to coincidence or or I got lucky right. to being this is God's hand on my life. For sure. How many times do we have these great it could be it could be good or bad, but these things that you're just like, what it, let me pause here. I think we are trained by this thought through cheesy Hollywood movies and cheesy <laughs> sure. like because I was watching a cheesy Hollywood movie the other day and you know it was Matthew McConaughey and you know what happens is they're driving through and then they luckily get the the bullet that the last bullet they need for the gun to then shoot the helicopter blade to then clip the helicopter blade to then the helicopter will spin out and the helicopter will land on the ship that they needed to destroy luckily like this these string of events that right. happen that seem oh we got lucky right so that train of thought, I think sometimes we adopt it into our walk with God and say all these things. Maybe they just—it's so ambiguous. Is it God? Is it not God? Right. And I've become to come to the point where everything that has happened in my life—the family I was born into, the school I went to, the friends I made, me being at this podcast—like God has ordained it, and He ultimately like formed us in our mother's womb and he knew what we would be doing for sure prior to us even born like he's all knowing god knows and he's working in all things and the fact that you talked about this confirmation idea that you said happened for you to go to the rv get yep. the rv people he's working in other people to get to you and he's yep. working in you to get to other people that you may not even see the impact for of sure and you may be evangelizing and planting seeds that you won't even reap you're just planting you know what i'm saying so it's just that was the initial idea for me of Number one, everything that has happened in my life and everything that's going to happen is a product of his grace and his mercy, and he knows what he's doing. And then the next step I went to was the word, obviously, that you know when you begin to read on his word and you begin to spend time in his word, then he can you have a well of scripture that he can draw onto oh, to for sure. bring to yeah. mind to and then you begin to, as you begin to conform and be sanctified and conform to truth and conform to Jesus, me and to walk more like Him. Yep. All of a sudden, things become less cloudy. For and sure. Decisions become cloudy, but then even in the micro decisions of, hey, these two rights, the they're both right. Which one do I pick? It's the same idea of you just worship and you seek His face and you yeah. and you seek Him, and then you remove yourself from the equation, which we'll talk about later. Self centeredness. Yeah. And then things become less cloudy, and you know which one to make. But it's so much harder in the moment, for sure, to 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 understand those things, for sure. Um, yeah. Any any more thoughts on that? Or no, no. That's that's those are those are some great thoughts, and and that place between, um, you know, choosing between two things that are both good, 
you yeah. know, but which one is God? Mm-hmm. And that it, that really is the the signs and the spaces of you know of being a mature son or child of God mm-hmm. is being able to follow Him and to and follow His voice in that space where it literally you're just going to need to know His voice. But the the outcomes um, are they matter. You know, me being willing and my wife being willing to um, go ahead and liquidate and just say, okay, God, this was yours the whole time. You know, for a little while, kind of felt like it was mine. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, and, um, but yeah, really, it's been yours the whole time. So, yeah, if this was your plan, I'm gonna, I want your plan over my plan. And what's crazy is a lot of people walk. And then when something a big decision happens, all of a sudden now I'm pressing into God like I've never pressed in before. Right. Then the decision happens, then you kind of take a couple steps back. But if, right. for the people who are pressing in in their daily life, that's who they are. They 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 live a life of worship. Right. Then the decision comes. They will probably hear the voice of God more clearly than the person who is just pressing into God for, for the decision. For sure, that that is the best way to attune your spiritual ear it's just spending time with god every day um and then yeah then instead of trying to say okay i've got to really build up my discernment on this big moment Mm -hmm. no you've been fine tuning in and growing in it um you know day by day And, and that really is the best way but i'm so thankful we've got a merciful god that he doesn't sit back and go oh you want to hear me now yeah. Now that everything's on the line, oh now now you care about my voice. He doesn't he doesn't do that. Um, he nope. he's, he's merciful. Um, but here's the 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 blessing for walking in it daily is recognizing his voice faster and stepping into peace quicker. And so that's yeah. the blessing for us. He's still going to speak. He's still going to guide, even if we've kind of been doing our own thing and not really mm-hmm. listening. But we'll agonize over it as we're like, is this really you? Is this not? I haven't, I haven't been listening to you for a while. And that lack of peace is a space he never wanted for us. If we'll just go from, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, well, you're never out of faith. You're never out of glory. But most of us don't do that. We go step into faith, and then mm-hmm. we go somewhere else for a little while. And yeah. then we're out of that until we're fine, and we're like, okay, I've heard God. I'm gonna I'm gonna rest in this, and so the yeah that's the real benefit is he'll talk to us either way, but we can just go from faith to faith. Shout out Gerardo. He said there's people who are walking and they realize they didn't store it a certain season of their life very well. Like hey, when I was single, man, I was just all fixated on finding my wife, and I was not chasing God at all. And then they look back at those times like, man, I wish I would have walked better. For sure. And that's. You need to rid yourself of that mentality because God has never, God is never holding anything against you like you you were just saying. No. On the flip side of that, in the seasons where you're walking the most on fire for God, His desire for you burned even more. Sure, oh, such is a crazy reality yeah. is that even when we feel like we're on fire for for God, that even His love for us really makes that desire for Him look small because. That's the in, in the that love never wavers either, right. which that was just an interesting thought. But I want to ask you about 
celebration. And I want you to give a quick overview celebration, just like when it started, where is it at now? Quick, because then I want you to really, really want to focus on is the good things or the challenges that have arisen or like significant things that happened in like the early stages versus now being larger in numbers what is what has arisen the heart of celebration church is is simply to help people to know god better and to trust him more um and so just create a, a space and an environment for people to be able to do that and uh um from a aspect of making church um as real and as accessible as we possibly can um there's a space where i think you could try to make it accessible and it's not church anymore it's not honoring who he is in his heart and allowing the holy spirit to move um but then there's a place where we can get so so christian culture focused that we've not made it accessible and so um when we first started celebration church you know we were uh, when we launched and we went public. There was a season where we were just building our team and gathering, and we were still doing Sunday morning services. And and um, but when we launched, we launched in a functioning movie theater here in San Angelo. And part of why we did that, it was not um, a budget decision. It was not cheap, and so there were cheaper places to have church. Um, you know, the Cinemark charged the same amount for a theater in San Angelo as they did in Austin, Texas. And so they, they just have a national price. So in Austin, it's a deal. In San Angelo, not a deal. Not so much. <laughs> and so but here was the thing is people who are disconnected from church, who for whatever reason were creeped out by stained glass and steeples, had just pulled away and were going to be reluctant to step into a church to be able to to connect and and uh, hear the hear the scriptures and 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 meet people who are on this journey together, um, a movie theater was just perfect because people knew how to go there. Anxiety levels are low. Um, you, what do you do when you go to a movie? You find your seat and you pay attention to what happens in the front. That's really all we were asking people. Yeah. Is that was it? And then you know we provided some coffee and some donuts. So to remove the awkwardness. Which is still there to this day. To this day. And for that same reason, um, for that same reason, is yeah. it's there to remove the awkwardness. When people come to church, you know, they're coming to visit it, they're typically early. They may not know anybody. Well, what do you do when you're just sitting around waiting for something? Mm. Well, we give them, put some in their hand, give them a cup of coffee, give them, they can doctor it up, they can do something. It, first off, you, you've had a couple of different hellos, a couple of different, I'm glad, you know, face-to-face, eye-to-eye contacts. And, and then there's something for them to do so they don't feel so awkward. Like, do I just sit here and stare around? What? No, I can eat my donut. They carry it into the sanctuary. and Which is yeah. crazy. Honestly, you just saying that, I never understood even the love intended for the smallest things you put in the church coffee and donuts i'm always just like yeah it's coffee and donuts they're hungry people like coffee but like the small decisions with you're like you're trying to care for people and for some reason because a lot of churches do coffee sure. Sure. and a food sure 
I've never, that's kind of cool. I've never thought about yeah, that. That's been our intention from the very beginning is that, because so many people think the church just wants something from you and they want your money. They, they want, want your membership. They're just trying to get, 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 get. And it's just one of the, the fallacies that people who are staying away from church um, have in their minds. And so we just felt like that was, we could reverse that real quick when they walk through the door that we haven't asked them for anything. We haven't asked them you know, their name, to sign a connection card, to do anything. We're not harvested information or data from them. Um, we've just tried to give to them and yeah. just set that. That's going to be the nature of this relationship. We want to do, we want to pour more into your life than you pour back here. And when it's all said and done that, you know, our heart would be that the net result is people feel like, man, I, I you know, even those who are generous, even those who are, serving and giving and being a, a vibrant part that they would go, man, I, I get more out of this connection than I give this. It's not draining me. And sadly, you know, in our 14 year history, you know, that that's not the case. Not everyone would have that, that testimony, you know, because, you know, you, there's burnout, there's all those different things that yeah. you try to manage, but our intent, our heart is, you know, that very first thing, hey, here's a bottle of water. He'll, you know, here's, uh, you know, here, here's a cup of coffee. You know, and, and in our culture, it has a real perceived value. You know, you buy them at Sam's, and the bottles of water are ten cents. Nobody sees ten cents. Everybody sees a buck. Because you can, you go out to a store, you're not getting a bottle of water for less than a buck. It's true. And so, um, you know, so you, you get this, um, you know, you get that, and you know, the the donuts. It all has felt value. And which it's there. I mean, it isn't free, and to us, but we put put it in their hands, and then again, it just reduces. It even reduces anxiety as they're able to physically do something. You mm-hmm. know, they're able to put it in their mouth. They're able to sit there and sip on it, and it gives them something to do. And those who are anxious about being there, it reduces their anxiety and lets them receive better. Which why do you think the church is probably the most anxious place people go because people go and when you come into a relationship with Jesus and then you are now showering love to other people you're like how could I have ever been anxious to walk in this building right yet the church is always for some reason just produces anxiety in people why do you think that is over and over again um, first off is just it people understand church is social okay you go to the movies movies aren't social even though you're sitting there with a bunch of other people, there is zero expectation for you to have any kind of conversation with anybody else in that movie theater if you didn't walk through the door with them. But church is different. Church is anticipated to be social. So then you've got people on both ends of the spectrum, people who are ready for social interaction and people who are like, please don't even make eye contact with me. Um, but they're wanting – they're being drawn into that space. Um, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you, you need something. So there is this desire for spiritual connection. Even if someone doesn't know Jesus yet, they fill a spiritual void. But yet, I'm going to come in here and are these people going to like me? Am I going to know what to do? Um, am I going to do it right? Am I going to stick out? Um, and then – and those are the people who are disconnected from church or new to church. Well, then you have people coming to church who, you know, they left another church. Well, they're hurt or frustrated or discontented on some frustrate on some level. 
Well, they're like, is this is this place going to be that again? Mm-hmm. And then they're coming in with a you know a critical eye. How is this going to be? Not mean, not a mean critical spirit, but just who are you? What are you about? Do you interpret the scriptures the same way I do? Um, those types of things. And so all of it, it is. Uh, there's there's anxiety levels on all of it. And so on the lowest level is is if you walk through the doors for the first time with someone you know. That's about as good of an as it can get. Um and so we you know hope that when people invite people they're waiting for them there at the front, pick them up, ride with them however it goes. But, but yeah, no Which churches I, churches church initial church connection is high anxiety thing. Which I I feel like f- Fear of going to church is the flesh's response to a wrong understanding of uh, oh, for Jesus sure. is in, Jesus is the head of the church, the head of the body. For and sure. It's a wrong understanding of Jesus because sure. yes, people's experiences are a hundred percent valuable and of course you know, contribute to anxiousness going to church. But that is still a misunderstanding of what Je- it doesn't compromise Jesus. A, a church hurt doesn't compromise who Jesus says the church is supposed to be. Correct. That is the sinfulness of man and the the falling out of man, not of Jesus. His character is still true, pure and holy. For sure. And it's just the flesh's response and it also it can be a repelling factor to like we are carefree outside of the church. I mean, you may have a little social anxiousness right. outside of the church, but even people who are bold outside the church. They walk in. They're just like, whoa, because they under. I think it's a uh, understanding of the gravity. Like the Holy Spirit is is uh, plucking at their heart, trying yeah. to draw them in, and then they get in, and they're like, they, it's, just, it's almost a longing and a crying out, and their their body, their mind, constantly just shifts because they there's they know something's real is here for sure, and it's just like a, a natural response, good or bad. Right. But in terms of the theater years. What would you use to define those years? Because you were in a movie theater for I don't know seven, eight years. How seven, long? Seven, yeah, seven and a half. What What would you say defined? If you like had to define it, what would what marked that time? Because he said, I think Wyatt told me that you'll have signs in the church now that says the theater years, yeah, or, or something yeah, like. Yeah, said, we did a banner there at the back. We do yeah. that says the theater years. Yeah, so, um, and so there was just there was a lot of uh, ex expectancy and excitement in that space. Um, one of the things is, you know, being, being portable um, just makes it feel new. And so even though, so even year six and we'd been around for a long time, it just still felt new. And then for people who were coming to connect with us as a church, um, they felt like they were getting in on kind of the ground floor of something. Um, that has the exact has a negative on the other side of it as well because you're like we had been here six years and it still made it seem like we were a fly by night we could just disappear any minute you know er, I don't know if that celebration church is going to stick you know like, we've been here six years <laughs> week after week but it just, because it's portable and it doesn't have a permanent base um, that I, we I was astonished at how many people literally were just waiting until we got a building to come check us out. I was just astonished at that. Um, one of the, the things that I miss the most about the theater years were, was the, the part that was the most frustrating, which was the setup and the teardown. And the reason I miss it is because it was at 
place for men to get in and feel like they could contribute um, in a real and meaningful way. In a, in a way with with it being a very low intimidation threshold. Um, you know, any guy can feel like I can move a speaker, I can wind up a cord, I can I can pick that box up and I can put it in the trailer. I can do that and feel a part, um, which a lot of guys are very intimidated of prayer or discussion of the word or opening up. Well, the bond and the connection that these men created in just the labor, just showing up early. And, you know, we'd have to have everything set up, you know, easily an hour before service. So then everybody else could do their stuff. The worship team could fine tune, run through. Well, then those men, they were already there. So they would just hang out in the back and have coffee. And that was when they would basically have, they called it church before church. So they'd begin to share and to connect. You know, and I had I had teased when we got into the to the building, you know, that there was just going to be stuff we were just going to tear down and set up, even when you didn't even have to, just to give these guys uh, a reason. Um, you know, that that doesn't actually work because everybody really, okay, this is kind of dumb, <laughs> and so um, I'm doing senseless work here. So that didn't work, but that that's the that's the piece I miss is because for. Men to be able to connect easily, it was ideal. You know, the purpose to, you know, understand that Sunday morning um, has an assignment. And that assignment is to be accessible to people who are new to church and to, and to help everyone be able to grow. Um, well, that's a challenge, you know, to someone who's been walking with God for a few decades to come in on a Sunday morning to connect and feel, we'll just use a Christian word, feel fed. Um and for someone who is brand new to Christianity, for it to make sense. And so, um, you know, we even do that with our worship, like our songs. I vet all the songs. There's some songs I love. I'll have on my personal worship playlist that we can't use on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Not because they're, they're theologically great. They they're sound amazing. The verbiage is doesn't make sense. It has so much metaphor and stuff in it that um, doesn't connect with somebody. It needs explanation. Or we're singing a song. We don't have time to explain, yeah. you know, why we're, um, you know, you know, why there's the sound of the dry bones rattling. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a good analogy. Actually. You know, the, somebody comes in is like the dry bones rattle. What am I? What is? going on here yeah and so well we know what that means we know you know we, uh that uh that story so yeah so we get excited like god's about to raise up an army god's about to take something that's dead and been abandoned and turn that around that's exciting for us for a new person that it's confusing so you know yeah. we're we just all of that has just been very um we're very intentional on that and so you know Making sure we are staying to our core vision to help people who are disconnected from church, and that hasn't changed. Now, what has changed? Um, I'm sure that there's more that's changed than I'm even aware of. Um, but the biggest challenge has been just in for me as a pastor. When we were in the, I felt like I could, um, 
we'd be in the movie theater till we till the average attendance was in like the low three hundreds. Um, well, you look at pastors, and typically a pastor can stretch himself to one pastor to care for the families and whatnot to two fifty, maybe three hundred. Um, well, we're well north of those numbers now, and just the pastoral care function has shifted significantly from there. And to to be honest, um, you know, that's something we're still we're still working on, you know. It's you know, happening through our elders, happening through our small groups, happening through those different things and um you know, we have been pretty effective at connecting with people on Sunday mornings and people wanting to be there and getting something out of it that next step of of discipleship and and really helping people drill down in, into their relationship with God um, that's a space that we probably maybe did better um, as a percentage wise like the the percentage of the church that showed up on Sunday morning and the percentage of the church who was like connected midweek mm-hmm. um, was probably better um, when we were in the movie theater and whatnot and um and so there's a space where sometimes the building can become like a ministry person like a personality and with the movie theater it was just a space we were we had for two hours i mean when it was that that time was over we were done everything else had to happen in somebody's house it had to happen over here and well now just go to the building well we'll do that at the building and and you feel supported and limited by the building where um, – and figuring that out because in my formative years as a senior pastor, that didn't exist. Um, here's the other thing is there's way more time spent on janitorial and maintenance and cleaning. Like when we were in the movie theater, I didn't think about – air conditioners, toilets, toilet paper. I didn't think about any of that at all mm-hmm. for seven and a half years. And then now, you know, that's a, you know, and if somebody didn't like the way the movie theater was cleaned, well, we'll pass it on. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll tell them, but it wasn't a reflection on us. And so now there's just some of those things that there was a, a chunk of my week that had been able to be freely given just towards, I hate when you say the word ministry stuff because being a steward is ministry. And so cleaning the building is ministry. I was out, cut my teeth as a janitor. It's valuable. Um, but that was a big change and just adjusting to that. And so. Wow, that was profound. That was actually, that may go down as my favorite part of the podcast. I don't wow. know. Well. That was good. That was real good. Um, in terms of uh, something God's put on my heart real heavy lately has been self-centeredness, okay. selfishness, um, really in my own life, and then like sniffing it out in its smallest forms in my own life, and then believers in general, like a culture of self-centeredness. And I, I want to get your thoughts on it, but when I'm talking to people and I've experienced just this just this new understanding lately that has really changed my life, and it's 
just removing myself from the equation. And this goes back to the beginning of the podcast when we're talking about making decisions. How do we hear the voice of God? Right. Removing myself out of the equations and doing things for God and for people frees up a person from anxiety, frees them up from um, not feeling like they're getting enough out of church. And I want to honor you for a minute because you look at you, people go to church. I didn't like the sermon. The sermon didn't really feed me. This was this was a good Sunday. This one wasn't so good. This one was better than that one. This one was like a 75. That one was a 95. You know, we always gauging how good of a ser- sermons were. Um, this worship song I liked. This one I didn't. All of the examples. But when you look at you, you how are you being fed? You are going to you know friends and you know your family you know keenan probably y'all pouring into each other probably a lot you have you know pastor terry who but you majority of the time you're getting poured into less less in quotation as in through other people than the people who are being poured into by you you know what i'm saying so you are going to the word you're going to god to be fed for sure you're just living a life being poured out we i feel like is this this idea this culture this thing in us that we want to go to church just to be filled up when that is the completely completely antithetical idea of church right than what it's supposed to be which is you the member are supposed to go to pour out and if, Correct. if you're pouring out to people if they're if you're expending mental energy about coffee and donuts how that can serve people imagine how if every member who walked in that door had that much detail about how I want to love people, for sure, the impact among San Angelo, Texas, it would have. Oh, and I'm sure there, there's. I know there are people already doing that, of course. But um, it's just something that's been put on my mind. And what I just, what thoughts do you have about the self-centeredness that believers may or may not have? I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, uh, I know I kind of yes. just went on a little tangent. No, there, no, it was but. fantastic. Um, you hit on a real key on that place of sniffing it out and it just showing up and it is um it's insipid i mean it just finds its way into so many different things and um you know i say i've said multiple times um you know i had not considered myself um a very selfish person i've you know, you know, and of course that probably should have been a red flag for me right then mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that I've, you know, was giving myself a nice little pat on the back that you're doing pretty good in this. Yeah. Um, and then I got married and every single decision in my life impacts my wife and she has, you know, a right to weigh in on so many different things and nothing exposed my selfishness like connecting as a husband with a wife now with that then it was years later that then it finally began to dawn on me that if i would begin to recognize that i am part of the i'm the bride of christ and begin to connect with god and others on that level that all of a sudden these places where I would be selfish would just they'd be they'd be they'd be naturally exposed. Here's my problem: is I cared about my wife, but I didn't care about other people. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, as long as I'm not being a jerk to you, as long as I'm kind of meeting the social minimums, um, I'm good. 
you know. I'm a little generous here and there. I'm kind. I, you know, feed into you a little bit. I'm not self-centered when really there's a space where sometimes, you know, me being kind uh, is me trying to harvest some kindness out of you. And, you know, that I was nice to somebody on, on a morning and they weren't nice back. Well, that when that irritates me, I realized I wasn't just freely pouring out kindness. I was trying to harvest kindness. I was doing an exchange because if all I was doing was trying to encourage them, when they acted annoyed or frustrated, I would have gone, I poured that out on the right person. They were needing it. But I I didn't. I, I, was, I was nice to you. I just, man, you just blew me off. You were just rude. And then I was like, even my acts of kindness, even some of those things that I do that I would pat myself on the back and I'm not being self-centered because I was thinking about that person, there was this backdoor thing that it was actually for me. And I'm just like, which is that sniffing it out thing. And I'm like, which, you know, that Paul thing, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who is going to save me from, from myself? And that... And then because we're all that way, Paul was that way. It wasn't, he wasn't, it wasn't because of, you know, all the social media and all this stuff. It amplifies it for sure. I mean, my goodness, when your feed is built for you, you know, and that's what they've done. Your feed is built for you. So everything revolves around you. You have your own world. You get the news stories from the view that you like. So the news stories from the view you don't like, they don't give them to you because you won't read them. So they want you on your device. They make you dig in. Uh, you know, you mention, hey, I want some Nike high tops. All of a sudden, Nike high tops are showing up on your feed. You're like, ooh, this is spooky. But it is creating a, a world that is tailor-made for you. And that Paul didn't deal with. <laughs> Paul dealt with the same human nature, but this just curated, designed world for you, um, yeah, they didn't have to battle that, and we do. And so these devices in our hands create this space where we – the only thing that's going to counteract that is the work of the Holy Spirit and the love of God being shed abroad in our heart. I think every person, as you begin to mature in Christ and pursue Christ more and walk deeper, there. I would even argue if you're not having thought thoughts about God that are challenging you, I yes. don't understand this about God. I would argue that you're not pursuing Him hard enough. I would agree. What was a thought about God for you that you struggled with? You may still not have all the answers to that. You're just still having to trust God through, or maybe God has provided you some wisdom. Throughout, but what is a idea about God that you've really struggled with that you now or have you have peace with? Through the years, there's been multiple. Um, you know, an an early one for me um, was, you know, the fact that you know the scriptures tell us to you know to worship God. Um, well, if I was to tell my children to hey, tell me I'm a great dad, that'd just be weird. Mm-hmm. Let's just feel. Okay, that's narcissistic. That's 
broken, that there's something wrong with dad. Um, and so it's real easy to look and go, okay, what's, what's wrong with God who's saying, hey, bring me worship, you know, honor me, you know, and that there's, and I was like, that was an honest question I'd had early on. I was like, as I was growing in this, I was like, Lord, I love you. I get this, but I don't get this. What's what's up with this? And, of course, delving into it, begin to recognize it's not for him at all. It is not for him at all. It is for us when in our worship, in our recognition of who he is and what he's accomplished, and especially with us vocalizing it, with us purposely not just letting it mull in our heart and roll around but just going ahead and saying it there's a place that it recalibrates the way we think it recal it just literally there is a shift in the way we think and then therefore the way we see and uh connect and certainly the way we make decisions um and so that it, it is for us it isn't for him he knows who he is he doesn't if nobody else said god you're amazing he'd still be amazing and so, and know it, and not be arrogant about it, not be all of the weirdness we turn praise and recognition into in our selfish natures. Um, and so, that was that was one that just as I was honest about the beef I had with that, and let him be honest with me, it changed my worship. It just changed it. I'm t- I, that's I've never thought about it like that because God is so all-knowing and so loving that he's saying for us to worship him not because he needs to be filled up no. because he knows you're either going to worship me or you're going to worship yourself or you're going to worship something else yes. yet I'm the only one who can who can obtain and hold and is is worthy to be praised I'm the only thing that can fulfill your soul for sure because you can't hold worship if you're not worshiping me you're worshiping yourself yep and you can't rightly hold that kind of worship you're not made for that neither is false idols neither is whatever you know idea you carved like you said earlier yeah um that you're worshiping for about sure. your future job future career future whatever yeah um that is pretty profound yeah oh my gosh another one i had was um you know it's it's a it's honestly it's kind of cur- currently uh a thing in social media and the news about the whole nepo baby thing um, oh, that, um, anyways, it's a, it's kind of a, been a catchphrase over the last few weeks um, of the nepotism. So especially in um, the area of Hollywood and stuff where people's parents were actors and then they get a shot at being an actor. And then there was somebody who wrote an article somewhere in a big magazine about nepo babies and, and just them having this advantage. And um, so it's kind of been a, a current thing in the news lately. But, um, you know, again, years ago, you know, Jesus is, you know, the son of God and, you know, he's king of kings and lord of lords. And I was like, okay, now I get it. If I was God, I would instinctively kind of make one of my kids, you know, maybe King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I was like, you know, that this is, you know, again, this is just this this place of nepotism. Of course, you're the God of creation. Of course, your son's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And, but then as I was like kind of working through that 
and saying again, and it was a little bit out of that same thing, you know, we're supposed to praise you, and then now Jesus is king of all. And again, I had no beef with Jesus, but it was just that in our culture and whatnot, people push back against um, nepotism. You know, there are people today who push back on, you know, Keenan being a YA pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they didn't realize he started out as the janitor. I, he, I was like, hey, started college small group. He started it, and it was a small group, and they just met in a house. Well, nobody was calling him, you know, nepotism when there was eight people in somebody's living room just talking about the Bible. But then when, you know, there's 170 on a night, and there's a lot of excitement, well, then they're like, well, that's Pastor Brandon just put him in there because he's his son. It's like, no, God did. You should, you God should, did that. You should hear how he preaches and then let me know. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. They, like, yes, that man yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is he is a world class communicator. I mean, God has anointed that man to preach. Yeah, and there's just no way. And so, anyways, but then I began to see in the scriptures, you know, that uh, the kingdom principle is he who is greatest is the servant of all. Well, in looking at it, Jesus wasn't handed the title King of Kings. Jesus earned the title King of Kings because there is nobody in all of human history who served humanity the way Jesus has served humanity. No one has laid down their life. No one has done what Jesus. So Jesus is rightly, not out of nepotism, not out of because of who his daddy is, but because he got to his place of greatness the same way anybody in the kingdom rises to greatness. It's out of a place of servant servanthood. Philippians 2, I believe it says, uh, Philippians 2, that therefore God has highly, or back in verse 8, in being found in human form, he humbled himself, being Jesus, becoming obedient to the point of death, yep. even death on a cross. Yep. Now, there, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed yep. on him the name that is above every name so that every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Yep. That's profound. And so, and that's one of the places where, you know, God's, those questions could feel disrespectful, you know, to take God, you know, hey, why are we supposed to worship you? You know, that seems a little narcissistic, you know, or, you know, hey, why, you know, this nepotism thing. Um, but if we'll take our honest, real questions to God, he will show us the real answer. If if all you want to do is gripe, well, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, but if you're really hungry, um, man, we've got the promise we'll be filled. When you look into the perfect person of Jesus – all you can see is how worthy he is and how, I don't want to say wretched we are, but how much in need of him we are. For sure. I mean, you look into him and you look into the perfect love that Jesus displayed. It's just, I mean, even just now, I'm just kind of like dumbfounded because it's just every day. It's never ceasing. A lot of a lot of love ceases. A lot of moments fade on For earth. Sure. A lot of like this podcast, like this is a fun conversation. We're going to look back at this podcast. Oh, yeah, that was a good conversation, For but sure. it doesn't give us... Like right now, I feel edified, sure. but the edification will not be there in two weeks right. because it was for this moment. But right. God never ceases. Correct. His he his love is everlasting and is is never. Yeah, I don't know. That idea is pretty. That's crazy. That's pretty crazy. But um, yeah. The last question. I mean, we it, you, we've already kind of answered the last question, um, and it's pretty broad. 
So if you just basically use this as your closing thoughts, okay. but when you look at your Christian life being faithful for decades, how long you it was right before Angelo State you became a Christian? Well, I, that's when I began to be serious about it. Okay, I, I I became a believer when I was probably seven years old. Okay, so yep. let's just talk about serious about it to now. What has God taught you later in life that you didn't understand when you were younger that's still kind of what we were talking about earlier sure. but just like when you look at a life of wisdom like you have been faithful how old are you if you don't mind I'm me asking 49 49 when you look at wisdom you talked about at YA when Terry preached or Sunday I don't know which one it was but talking about men who have been faithful yep I don't know how old Terry is he's in his 60s he's 70 70 yep like you're farther in the race than I am <laughs> sure and he's Terry's farther in the race than you are but I just want to like what wisdom do you have for longevity in the faith there's a, a space where, first off, just stay hungry. And that has been one of those things. Um, you know, and I, I try to encourage everybody as much as I possibly can. You know, if somebody comes up to me on Sunday morning and says, you know, um, Pastor Brad, man, that, that word just spoke to me. That was just, that was so good. That just hit right on. And I, and I say, thank you. So I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But I always take that opportunity. And I said, but you know what was really the difference? And I said, you were hungry. I said, if you'll stay hungry, God will speak to you like that. And I was like, I'm thankful God used me today. But it was more your hunger than it was my gift. And if you'll stay hungry, you will, he'll feed you. And you'll get it. The problem is, is we quit, we get complacent. We don't get hungry. And, you know, um, and that was one of the profound things to me, um, when we were on the trip, because we were we were newcomers every Sunday, we were in a brand new church. Sometimes two churches on a Sunday. We go to early service in one, and another service, you know, the little later that morning. And and uh, I was like, God, you know, you know, Lord, thank you. You're just putting me right in the right place because, man, what this guy had to say was exactly what I needed to hear and what we need to hear on our journey and our next step. And, and then that guy, and and it was like, man, you're just putting us right where we need to be, which there was some truth to that. But then the Holy Spirit reminded me is, Brendan, you are showing up desperate to hear me. You are so hungry. Yes, I'm, I've been talking to you like this all this time. And that was one of my regrets in you know you know when we started the trip I'd had 13 years of ministry under my belt and I had had intermittent deep places of hunger I always was had a place of personal discipleship and spending time in the word and 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 connected with God and got things out of the word I mean just solid truth is being taught I'm taking notes I was enjoying it, it was good always good um but I wasn't like Lord, I'm here to hear from you. Like I was when I was in that motorhome on the trip. Like, I'm going to hear, I'm going to be in this church one time. You got something for me here. Lord, what is it? And the the thing for going the distance is just staying hungry. Um, and then recognizing it's more him than you. Um, that it was, I remember being young and I was I got freaked out. Um, all right, we had a wonderful uh, college pastor who talked about uh, destiny, destiny, destiny all the time. God's got a destiny. God's got a plan, which is exciting. You know, you're in your early twenties. You hear that? You're like, yeah. And then I started getting weighed down. I was like, oh my goodness, 
what if I mess it up? What if I mess, you know, and then I started getting anxious about something I was excited about. And the Holy Spirit finally was like, your destiny is what I'm going to do in your life as you walk with me day by day. It's lived out moment by moment. And then the peace of that came in that moment. And then I would get back into my own drive, feeling like I've got this plan for God for my life. And that little thing that we talked about early in the pump, you know, that I'd created an image with what the obedience and the blessing that I had actually said yes to and walked in and I extrapolated it into an image that then I had to lay down. Oh my goodness, I've I've done that tons of areas, tons of spaces of ministry. Oh, this is what this is going to be. Oh, this is it. No, be with me to be with me today. Mm-hmm. And if that's where we're going, that's where we're going. But be with me today. And sadly, I would I would create unnecessary pain in me trying to extrapolate what things were going to be and then create my own image in my own image and that back to that selfish thing that then I would have to lay down which had I not do that to begin with I wouldn't have the pain of having to lay it down I've almost completely stopped dreaming and having visions and goals that are past like one week at a time not that I don't think about it sure but for me I mean every time I've done Hey, I want to get this goal. I want to get this many subscribers, or I want to by one year. I want to have this many videos posted, even sure. in terms of consistency. Sure. Or brothers reborn, we want to sell merch and have this many products on our site. By the, every time I've had that, it has killed the intimacy and the <laughs> desire to do anything for God today. So I've and, and it, it peeled back from like two year goals to one year goals to six months. Okay, in three months to now, it's like I just wake up every day and I'm like. It's it's as simple as this for me. I'm just gonna wake up, give me my bread for today, God, and sure. help sustain me for today, and help me live for you today, and like completely removing myself out of the equation. And God is a better store than we're stores. Yep. He can store it better than we can, for sure. So and He's gonna make things happen, farther and above what our minds can even comprehend, anyways. So there's no even really need really to think about it outside right. of a basic level of I'm gonna take be responsible for the things He's placed me under. Yep. Past that, there's no reason to even fret or even think or even waste your mental energy because sure. that energy could be placed in worshiping God, not the extrapolated image. For sure. And then as we get good at that, then he can reveal because like, there are certain things that require some time. You know, yeah. you know, the, whether it's a you know a construction of a building or you know or building a team to to carry into a certain nation and, and plan to work there, and sometimes that takes multiple years. And um, but. Where, where it is cultivated is exactly what you're talking about. Is getting good at staying, Lord. I just I want to follow you today. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to follow you today. Which I let me just, I guess, applaud you and congratulate. I don't not congratulate you, but affirm like your faithfulness because I know you said this all. The Celebration Church isn't the Clark's church. Y'all have a board of elders. <laughs> Y'all have the Clark's yeah, help much. with the church, right? Yes, yes. But at the same time, you're in a position of leadership. For sure, without a doubt. The idea of building a huge building, like I have not – I don't want to have a poverty mindset and say God's never going to do that for me. That's sure. not at all what I'm saying. What I'm right. saying is though I've yet to have a moment of that capacity, but – I'll get lost in these small images of these small dreams, let alone a building and a dwelling place for God and for a community. Like the ideas we're talking about 
is like, I guess, all believers who are in positions of leadership, I, for some reason, I just have a new understanding of that that uh, faithfulness and denying yourself the temptation to be stressful and to be controlling and, the, and to put your faith and hope in the results of a building a build building or building or having this huge goal coming into fruition. For sure. People in power or influence, for some reason, I just have a new... Like man, they like I have respect for people who have faithfully walked and stewarded big, lofty things for God, and it doesn't mean you were perfect in it, or doesn't mean everyone's been perfect in it. But God was perfect. He is, and God, the blood is perfect. Yeah, and He sustained you, and He sustained me, and He sustains everyone in what we're doing. Um, which is, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, yeah, I mean. I'm rambling now. I'm rambling now, but that was still so good. Do you have any other thoughts? No, I just love what you, again, love what y'all are doing. Love your y'all's heart and what and just speak blessings over this endeavor. So it's beautiful. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll, for sure, uh, it's an honor. We may have to revisit in a couple months and get you back on for hey. another one. This was really good. Cool. Um, it was fun. Thank y'all for watching again. We pride ourselves on being a Christian podcast and resource. So share this with a friend. Share this with somebody who you feel needs to be encouraged. Um, Thank y'all for watching, and we'll see you on the next video. God bless.